Hello, I'm Nick Walker, creator of Echoes of Exeser and the voice of Claude Von Der. A couple of announcements before we begin. First, I will be releasing a recap episode of Echoes of Exeser Seasons 1 and 2. This is for newcomers who want to get into the show but don't know where to start. Now is the perfect time. Simply listen to that episode and you're ready to jump into Season 3. Secondly, I'm thrilled to announce that Echoes of Exeser is now part of the Cult 1440 Entertainment Network. Look for announcements in the coming weeks about brand new episodes and podcasts, ranging from storytelling and sketch comedy to education and thoughtful discussion. I myself will be releasing episode one of my new podcast, Just Roll With It, on Sunday, January 12th. It's a semi-scripted tabletop role-playing podcast. For the first arc, I will be playing the solo RPG Iron Sworn. You'll be able to find it on this channel. Also, be sure to check out the Cult 1440 YouTube channel for our first sketch comedy video, Auditions That Didn't Make the Cut for Cats the Musical. It's a lot of fun. For more information, head to cult1440productions.com. Cult 1440. Cultivate creativity daily. With that, I bring you the first episode of Season 3 of Echoes of Exeser. The great bell of Mira peals, and pigeons burst into the dawn-kissed sky. An excited child pulls his father into the square. A crowd gathers, eager and restless, in front of the dais. Trumpets blare, and drums begin to pound. The crowd cheers. What better way to start a crisp spring morning than with an execution? presents Echoes of Exeser, Season 3, Episode 1, Jailbreak. They called it Monster Square, a small black smudge of a place tucked away in the slums of Mira, comprised of gangly, looming shacks with vaulted ceilings. Their points cast long, fang-like shadows. Bricks of shale composed the square. From above, their black hue looked like the gullet of a beast. It smelled of sick and dying things. Demons were said to live here. Townsfolk shared tales of hearing strange hums from the square at night. Others saw flickers of shadow, or heard unnatural skittering. Some fell ill just passing through it. There were, of course, explanations. Quinn told me once that Mira's shale quarries contained especially high samples of magnetite, much of the stonework in the square was slightly magnetic. As such, small, loose metals tended to flicker about. Headaches were also not uncommon. Yet another of nature's wonders, mistaken as sinister. Still, 
The dark fantasy of the place was hard to deny. Monster Square was unlike any other place in Mira. There was no lively street banter, no well-wishers or courteous greetings. The people here had been hardened by plight. Someone else's suffering bought them a moment's reprieve from their own. The hunger for violence, the black streets, the twisted buildings. This was a children's cautionary tale. This was a place where monsters dwelled. The dais stood in the center of the square. Drummers on stage pounded a slow dirge. Trumpets blared over the din of the mob, demanding an ounce of civility. Like dogs to fresh meat, the crowd swarmed. Their bloodlust grew to a fever pitch. They howled madly. Quit stalling, you maggots! Bring us the poor sod if you've got the balls! I'll pull their guts out myself! Fighting through the mob, a man stepped onto the dais. He wore vestments of the Church of Aden, blood red with gold piping. A torque made of six interlocking hands adorned his neck. He was fairly young for a priest, and looked visibly nervous in the face of the crowd. Clearing his throat, he raised his hands. Good people, please. We will begin shortly. I must remind you that our Lord does not take death lightly. As his children, we ought to observe this affair with somber reflection and... A tomato struck the priest square in the chest. He stumbled backward. Waves of laughter rolled through the crowd. The tomato's guts blended in with the scarlet of his robes. Again, the mob cried out, Get on with it! We're not here for a sermon! Ought to give us your head instead, altar boy! The priest tried to calm the crowd, but their heckles drowned out his voice. Dozens of insults volleying towards the dais. Eventually, the various protests congealed into a single morbid chant. Bring us the heads, hissed the mob, all pounding their feet in time with the words. Bring us the heads! Bring us the heads! Bring us the... A gunshot rang out. Screams filled the square as the sound rattled through the gnarled streets. Like frightened pups, the mob healed. They saw another man step onto the dais. He, too, wore the torque of the six on his neck. But his vestments were as black as the square itself. Tattoos of sacred Adonist texts ran up his neck and across his bald head. A bone-white beard stretched down to his navel. His cold, grayish-blue eyes scanned the crowd. An Alzarian pistol was in his gloved hand. The square was silent as an empty church. They knew this person well. His silhouette haunted the monster square many a solemn morning. This was Solomon de Gramache, the queen's executioner. Such decorum is ill-befitting this finest city in Exeter, Solomon growled. Best be respectful. I would hate to have to work overtime today. Up in the sky, there was a warbling sound. Two black rectangles swooped overhead. They sank down into the square. The crowd backed away as the floating Alzarian carriages touched down onto the dais. They looked like chariots of the gods, made of unblemished metal and glowing with ethereal light. In one carriage, there stood Queen Songwake herself. 
She looked almost operatic in her poise and demeanor, a divine judge ready to smite the wicked. Her dress, red, with interwoven cords of gold and green, forced everyone's eyes to fixate on her. Surrounding her was the Queen's Guard, armed with pulsating Alzerian rifles. In the second carriage, bound and gagged, was the crowd's entertainment. There was a red-haired woman with freckles, a Kikte man with midnight blue wings, a Drailish woman with braided horns, a large, bald man with a cross scar over his right eye, and a tan human woman with frizzy blonde hair. Upon sight, the crowd erupted, mingling cheers of excitement with calls for death. The prisoners watched the crowd, stone-faced. The Drailish woman struggled in vain to get out of her restraints. The red-haired woman scanned the square, as though trying to look for a strategic exit. The large man simply closed his eyes. Solomon raised his hands, and the pistol, to quell the crowd. Once he had silence, he shoved the younger priest to the lip of the stage. Go on then. We haven't all day. The young priest took a deep breath to still his shaking hands. Pulling a scroll out from his robe sleeves, he unraveled it. He spoke. On this row day, the thirty-second day of the breaking sun, her resplendence, Queen Henna Songwake of Roth, does hereby find the following guilty of high crimes against the state and sentence them to die. At the queen's behest, the soldier driving the prisoner's carriage stepped out, dragging the red-haired woman behind him. She was thrown to her knees before the crowd, and her gag was removed. The queen's guard placed in front of her a wooden block to rest her head upon, and a bucket. Meanwhile, the queen passed a polished metal rod to Solomon. It thrummed with forceful energy. Solomon twisted the rod at the center, and a beam of pure force erupted from the end of the rod, taking the shape of a great axe. Quinn Sullivan of Roth, announced the young priest. You are found guilty of treason by aiding and abetting a foreign power and acting as an accomplice to the terrorist groups known as the Ebon Mist and the Miraculous Four. For this, you are to be beheaded before the eyes of Aiden and his children. Have you anything to say before? Your queen is a liar, Quinn shouted. She set us up. She used us to spark the war with Azen Ra to get her Alzarian weapons. She's going to get you all killed. Ah! The soldier struck Quinn square in the jaw with his boot. Quinn collapsed, a jet of blood spewing from her mouth. More cheers from the crowd. Gulping, the young priest said, May Aiden's wrath cleanse your soul and spare you from the pit. The soldier bent down to pick Quinn up. He recoiled as Quinn snapped upright and tried to bite his hand. Indignant, he delivered another swift kick, this time to her stomach. Quinn doubled over, heaving. The soldier raised his fist for another blow. Solomon grabbed his arm, staying him. The executioner knelt down seizing Quinn's arm. As he pulled her back to her knees, he whispered in her ear, The mist will never die. 
Quinn met Solomon's eyes and realized they weren't really Solomon's. Her bloody mouth fought against a smile. The drums started up again, a series of short, rhythmic rolls. The crowd quieted again. The soldier who had struck Quinn dragged her to the block and forced her head down. The crowd watched as Solomon stepped forward, readying his Alzarian great axe. Everyone was locked onto Quinn, eager to see the head spill like a Samiji ball into the bucket. No one seemed to notice Solomon's eyes, my eyes, as they scanned the area. Mentally, I made a checklist of actions, things that would need to happen in the next 30 seconds if we were to survive. Take out the soldier first, I thought to myself. Use the flash grenade to distract the Queen's guard. Quinn and I take the prisoner's carriage. No time to free her hands. She'll have to guide me while I fly us out. If we can make it over the square... Hold! The word thudded like a gavel from behind me. The drumming stopped dead. My stomach wrenched as I backed away from Quinn. Queen Songwake stepped out of her carriage. She approached the execution block, eyeing me. With the smoothness of a viper, she lifted her open hand to me. Such slander will not be tolerated by the Queen of Roth, she announced to the crowd. I will end this one myself, Solomon. My hand tightened around the force axe. I cleared my throat, mindful not to betray my feelings. My queen, with all due respect, do not sully yourself with this sewer rat's blood. It will be my honor to visit your justice upon her. When the queen met my eyes next, it was with a kind of tranquil malice. The kind a cat has when their prey is trapped under their paw. She gripped the axe in one hand while slipping her other hand over mine. She leaned in close. Solomon loves his meat tender, she whispered. He would never stop a beating. It seems you are losing your touch, Von Der. Her nails dug into my hand and she slashed me. I pulled back, dropping the axe. Queen Songwake took it, brandishing it at me. Imposter! She shouted. Guards! Kill them all! The soldier nearest to Quinn drew his Alzarian rifle, charging it. Quinn kicked behind her, smashing her foot against his ankle. The soldier fell. Gasps and shrieks came from the crowd. The Queen's guard filed out of their carriage, training their rifles on me. Queen Songwake swung the force axe straight for my neck. I leapt back, bending backwards as far as I could. The energy blade barely grazed the tip of my nose, searing off a layer of skin. The dodge took me to the edge of the dais. I lost my balance and fell, just as the Queen's guard opened fire on me. A salvo of purple-black beams pummeled the spot where I'd just been. I landed hard on the shale bricks of the square. The crowd parted around me. As soon as the shock wore off, those around me started to kick at my sides. I drew Solomon's Alzarian pistol and forced them to back away from me. I had just enough time to get to my feet before another storm of blasts rained down upon me. Queen Songwake jumped down from the dais, 
spinning her forceps and grinning. Behind her, I could see Quinn struggling with her soldier, who had drawn a dagger and was attempting to slash at her from close range. Nearby, the Miraculous Four were trying to activate the carriage with bound hands while dodging fire from the Queen's Guard. Digging into my pocket, I retrieved a small pouch of white powder. Quinn! I shouted above the throng. Quinn met my eyes for a split second. I tossed the pouch high into the air. Blissfully, she caught it. Ace scientist that she was, I didn't even need to explain the substance to her. Take cover! She shouted. The Miraculous Four did so. Quinn threw the pouch hard as she could onto the floor of the dais. I turned away, covering my eyes. Bang! The dais was consumed by a flare of blinding light. Lady Songwake, her Queen's Guard, and the crowd shrieked in pain, immobilized by the flare. I stood up, firing another round from my pistol into the air. In a swirl of panic, the crowd began to flee. Run! I shouted at my comrades. The Miraculous Four leapt out of their carriage, into the square. Quinn joined them. The six of us wrestled our way through the masses. It was like a meat grinder. Chaos dominated the crowd. Some ducked, others flailed. One ran in circles, another struck out at everything in his path. I lurched, lunged, leapt out of the people's way. Not even my weapon was a deterrent. I was merely an obstacle between them and getting to safety. Stay with me! I shouted to the others. Quinn was right behind me. I could see Storm Dreamer and Tosca a few yards behind us, struggling to keep up. Doran and Fionn were nowhere to be found. I could not allow myself to worry. Worry will make me slow, I thought. Slowness means death. Eventually, we managed to slog towards a cross street. It led deeper into the residential district of Mira. A small cobblestone archway hung above us, connecting two buildings. Quinn and I took cover behind a pile of garbage. A few moments later, Storm Dreamer and Tosca caught up to us. We huddled together, hastily plotting our next move. All right, I huffed. Not my original plan, but we can improvise. Is there anything in that rock you call a skull, Vondair? Tosca hissed. Mira is a labyrinth. There's guards around every corner. We're sitting ducks. You're welcome, Tosca, I seethed. she replied. You've just delayed the inevitable. It's fine. Death and I are long-time flirts. It's time one of us made a move. Can we be constructive for a moment, please? Quinn yelled. Look, we've got a flyer. Maybe he can carry us somewhere. Flattering, but I am not that strong, Storm Dreamer said. I can only carry one of you at a time. Above the archway, we heard more warbling wind. Queen Songwake's carriages were scouring the area from above. Tiny red dots traced the ground around us. They were from the Alzarian Rifle's sights. They reminded me of a dragon's eyes, hungry for fresh meat to roast. That's fine, I said to Storm Dreamer. Get them to the northern harbor. There's a crab boat docked there. Captain is a friend of the salamanders. If you can stand the stink, 
You can hide out in their hold until the heat dies down. The Queen's got her flying machines, Tosca protested. They'll shoot us out of the sky. Not if they're distracted, I said. I'll draw them my way. I've pissed them off enough already. You can't take them all on at once, Quinn interjected. And what about the others? added Stormdreamer. I know it's risky, I sighed. But we need to take that chance. I can't let you- Ah! I spilled to my side, clutching my arm. It felt as though a colony of fire ants had made camp inside my flesh. I wheezed. My vision went dark. I could hear the squawking of birds and monkeys, the growls of some unknowable beast. A low, echoing voice called to me from the ether. Vondaire. Vondaire. Vondaire, Quinn asked. She took my hand, the one that Lady Songwake had scratched. She gasped. Her touch stamped me back to reality. I looked at it. The flesh was like a brick of charcoal, onyx black with a faint smoke trailing from my fingertips. Poison? Quinn said. It almost looks like the Black Rebuke. Songwake, saw through my disguise. I choked through the burning pain. Must have laced her nails with it. That settles it, Tosca said. We're taking that Zarak down together. Agreed, said Stormdreamer. You are our brother. We will not let you die alone. Get these shackles off us, and we will- No! I barked. The three of them fell silent. I took in a deep breath. The panic of the city around me seemed to fade as I spoke. I... I need to do this, I confessed. This is why I survived. Why the Inquisitor didn't finish me. I lived so I could right my wrongs. Tosca, Quinn, and Stormdreamer stared at me, wordless. It slowly dawned on them what I was about to do. Unbidden tears found Quinn's eyes. Her face flushed with anger. She pounded the ground with her fists. Scorch that, she said. It's been fun, folks. Before I could say another word, Quinn sprang to her feet and charged into the frenzied streets. Quinn! I shouted after her. Cast it all to the pit, I thought. What's gotten into her? I stood up and looked at the other two. Go, I urged. Please. I didn't wait for a response. Plunging into the streets, I searched for Quinn. Any trace of red hair floating in that sea of bobbing heads. I didn't have to search for long. Quinn's screams rang out above the crowd. Hey, your majesty! I'm right here! Come get me! Damn it, Quinn, I thought. Pistol in hand, I swam upstream of the river of people towards her. She was mere feet away, but it felt like miles. Before I could reach her, I heard the air warble above me. Queen Songwake's carriage swooped down, hovering just a foot or two above Quinn's head. A moment later, the second one joined her. Like cockroaches to light, the citizens scattered upon seeing them. A path to Quinn opened up, and I seized it. 
Quinn was standing on a discarded apple crate, staring up at Queen Songwake defiantly. Well? Quinn yelled up at her. What are you waiting for? I have to get her out of here, I thought. If I'm fast enough, I can push her out of the way. Suddenly, my hand throbbed with otherworldly pain. I stumbled, falling to my knees. I looked at my poisoned hand. The smoking blackness had spread to my forearm. It felt like my bones were being eaten away by acid. Once more I heard the cries of jungle creatures, the haunting voice calling out, Vondere. Quinn provoked the queen once more. Come on, you scorching coward! Get up, I commanded myself. Push through the pain. Save your friend. Get up, damn you. The world lit up in a sheen of purple and black. Time stopped, as though the entire scene was encased in amber. I saw the barrel of Queen Songwake's rifle glow hot as an ember. I saw the shock on bystanders' faces. I saw the scorch marks on the brick wall behind Quinn. And against the backdrop of the azure Mirren sky, I watched my friend spin off her apple crate. She struck the ground and tumbled, leaving a spattering trail of blood in her wake. Quinn! I screamed. Like the cackling of a demon, my pistol rang out. My bullets slammed against the side panels of the carriages. I wasn't aiming. I was retaliating. I wanted to push them back long enough for me to reach Quinn. Even so, amidst my aimless assault, I heard a shriek. Queen Songwake fell backward, clutching her stomach. Scorch it to hell! She seethed. She pointed to the second carriage. Finish this! A Queen's guard took the helm, pulling away to fly Queen Songwake to a healer. The second carriage still held four Queen's guard, each armed with the same pulse rifles. They trained their sights on me. I didn't care. I turned my focus to Quinn. The blast had torn through her abdomen. I felt a wash of relief when I saw her chest rising and falling. She's alive, I thought. The elation was short-lived. Alive, but not for long. Dropping the pistol, I picked Quinn up in my arms. The action roused her, and she opened her eyes. She saw me, and mouthed wordlessly. It's okay, I whispered, as I heard the low hum of the rifles charging. It's okay. We're done now. Quinn closed her eyes again, breathing, but unconscious. I held her tight, glancing up at our executioners from on high. In that moment, I felt an almost picturesque sense of calm. I realized that my words had been more for myself than for Quinn. It was true. My journey had ended. No more mistakes to make or undo. No more pain. There were questions left unanswered, goals left unfulfilled. Just like anyone's life, I supposed. In the end, wasn't that good enough? I closed my eyes. The heat of the rifles lit up the inside of my eyelids, 
I braced myself for my last moment. Unfortunately, there had never been a moment in existence that Storm Dreamer didn't want to steal. Who's ready for an encore? The Kikte yelled from high above. I opened my eyes, just in time to see Storm Dreamer and Tosca dive-bomb the carriage. The Queen's Guard fell like pins inside the carriage. At the same time, Doran and Fionn appeared from a nearby alleyway. They rushed the carriage, leaping onto opposite side panels and rocking it like a seesaw. With their combined effort, the Miraculous Four launched two Queen's Guard out of the carriage. They crashed onto the ground in front of Quinn and I, losing their rifles in the process. Like a starving beggar at a morsel of bread, I lunged for the closest rifle. Before either one could react, I planted two energy bolts into their bodies. Meanwhile, atop the carriage, Tosca strangled one of her foes with her wrist shackles. Storm Dreamer dodged a couple blows from the final guard, before reeling his head back and slamming his beak-like nose into the guard's face. Both guards fell unconscious and were promptly discarded from the carriage. Once the threat had cleared, Doran and Fionn gathered around myself and Quinn. Together, we lifted Quinn up into the carriage. Thank you, I breathed. Please, said Doran. We're the Miraculous Four, not the, uh, disappointing four. Sometimes I wonder how I ever got by without your rapier wit, Doran, Tosca drawled. The warbling noise again. In the distance, the Queen's carriage was returning to the scene. Queen Songwake was missing, but her remaining Queen's guard were closing in, weapons drawn. We need to hurry, Fionn said. Quinn's out cold, but I think I can fly this thing out of here, if I can just get these off. She gestured to her shackles. I brandished the rifle. Not quite a skeleton key, but... Smiling, Fionn extended her wrists and exposed the chain. Angling the rifle away from Fionn, I aimed for the chain and fired. The blast ripped the metal apart. Breathing a sigh of relief, Fionn clambered into the carriage. Tosca and Storm Dreamer helped Doran up. Finally, Fionn reached for me. All right, Von Der, she said. Freedom awaits. My hand grasped Fionn's and passed right through it. Fionn's eyes went wide and her jaw dropped. I looked at my hand, the one that had blackened. It was evaporating. A cloud of spindly smoke where my fingers used to be. It wasn't long before I realized that the condition had spread to my entire right side. That it continued to spread. Faster than I could believe across my entire body. Desperate, I tried to grab Fionn's hand with my left. She gripped it, but as soon as the blackness spread to my left hand, it too turned to smoke. I fell and when I struck the ground, my back exploded into a miasma of smoke. I grit my teeth in pain. The same acidic burn in my arm before had now spread to my entire body. This was no poison, I thought. But what in the pit was it? Von Der? Fion shouted. Von Der, what's... Northern Harbor! I shouted. 
Find Ivan's boat. He'll, ah, uh, he'll guide you to safety. Go, go! The four began to protest, but rifle fire from the Queen's guard interrupted them. Fionn forced herself to look away from me, wrenching control of the carriage. With a sharp spin, the carriage peeled off into the sky. Tosca watched me as the four sped off into the distance. A sleeping Quinn was in her arms. What happened next, I cannot say. My vision soon faded after that. My body continued to burn, and I felt a growing weightlessness. The sounds of Mira dulled into a soundless void. I couldn't even hear my own screams of pain. I was deaf and blind, formless, yet somehow in agony, inside the void. I heard a distorted voice, like a thousand people speaking as one. Vondair, we will show her together. She will understand her folly. And all at once, it stopped. I woke up. The pain was gone. My body had returned to me. I was laying on the ground in an unfamiliar place. I saw thick, looming trees with wide, imposing canopies. I heard a chorus of creatures hiding in the tree line. Birds, monkeys, insects. Humid heat brought sweat to my face and labored my breathing. Slowly, I stood up. I was on a mountain plateau, overlooking a vast jungle island. Jade-colored canopies as far as the eye could see. A winding, snake-like mountain range to the east. Crashing waves and storm clouds all around. Blanketing the island was a sea of fog. A red glow caught my eye to my right. I turned and saw a floating, jelly-like bulb glowing blood-red. No sooner had I processed that than a fleet of small, insect-like beings flit over my head. They arced through the sky like shooting stars. Finally, I noticed the glowing veins of power coursing through the ground around me. They glowed ice blue, much like... The shade, I whispered. I didn't know how or why. But deep down, I felt I knew what this place was. A growing sense of unease filled my soul. How foolish I had been to think Exesar was finished with me. How could it be when the Isle of Ranta beckoned? <laughs> Echoes of Exesar is a production of Cult 1440. It is written, produced, and sound designed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand, freesound.org, and Sword Coast Soundscapes on YouTube. Link in the description. For questions or comments, email us at echoesofxcaesar at gmail.com.